Testing, one, two, three.
Good morning, Westerland. Good morning. Let us stand as we sing our opening song, Hallelujah, Praise Jehovah. Hallelujah, praise Jehovah from the heavens. <laughs> I don't ever start that. I messed that up. Hallelujah, praise Jehovah from the heavens, praise his name. Praise Jehovah in the highest, all his angels praise proclaim. All the earth together praise him, all the moon and stars on high. Oh, ye have none, have none. Above the sky, let them praise. Name alone is high, and his glory is exalted, and his glory is exalted, and his glory is exalted. Far above the earth and sky, let them praises give Jehovah. They were made at his command, then forever he established. His decree shall ever stand from the earth, O oh, praise Jehovah. All ye floods, ye dragons, all fire and hail and snow and vapors, winds that hear him call, let them praise Jehovah, for his name alone is high. Exalted, and his glory is exalted, and his glory is exalted far above the earth and sky. Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Lord, we lift up your name. Hearts of praise, so be exalted, O Lord my God. Hosanna in the highest glory, glory, glory to the King of kings, glory, glory, glory to the King of kings, Lord, we lift up your name with hearts. With hearts full of praise, be exalted, O Lord my God, Hosanna in the highest. You may be seated. 
Who else demands all the host of heaven? Who else can make every team bow down? Who else could whisper and darkness tremble? Only a holy God. Come and behold him, the one and the only. Cry out, sing holy, forever a holy God. Come and worship the holy God. What other beauty? such praises what other splendor outshines the sun what other majesty rules with justice only a holy God Cry out, sing holy, forever a holy God. Come and worship the holy God. What other glory consumes like fire? What other power can raise the what other name remains undefeated? Only a holy God. Come and behold him, the one and the only. Cry out, sing holy forever a holy God. Come and worship the holy God. Who else could rescue me from my failing? Who else could offer his only son? Who else invites me to call him father? Only a holy God. Come and behold him, the one and the only. Cry out, sing holy, forever a holy God. Come and worship the holy Come and behold him, the one and the only. Cry out, sing holy, forever a holy God. Come and worship the holy God.
Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods, for his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords, our Lord, because his love endures forever. We are glad you are here this morning, that you have joined us here at West Irwin. Uh, We always need to do a little bit of housekeeping, and one of those is always that white card right in front of you uh, on the seat seat back. Whether you are a member or a visitor, we ask that everyone fill those out so that we can uh, get get a record of your attendance, get a head count of who is here with us this morning, and in just a little while, some young men will come down the rows and we'll snatch those up from you, or you can play a little bit of keep away like some of us do, and it's fun. Um, Maddox knows what I'm talking about, so... Tonight is our small groups here at West Irwin, and so uh, we would encourage you to, if you are not a part of one of those, to find one of our ministers and we can point you towards that. I know some also meet for lunch as well, so they'll be meeting throughout the day, but today is our small groups here at West Irwin, so we want to encourage you to join with yours or to uh, find one to be a part of, and we can point you towards that direction. Speaking of being a part of something... Uh, Starting next week, next Sunday morning, um, I think people like me often like to tell ourselves we are young until we have to run a 40 with our children. And then we are quickly reminded, my my boys wanted to play football yesterday and my quads are just killing me. Like I think I've almost tore both Achilles uh, at the same time. But uh, many years ago, there was a class here started by some folks with forethought, four young married couples. Uh, Those couples are not so young anymore. And we are starting a new class for that next generation of young married couples to try and give them that community. And so that's going to be starting next Sunday morning in room 112. And if you're anything like me and numbers mean absolutely nothing to you, It is in the hallway headed towards the children's wing, the other downstairs classroom right opposite of our playground. And so next Sunday morning at 9 o'clock, if you you are actually young and not in your mid-30s or 40s or 50s, anyway, uh, would like to be a part of that class to find that community that uh, chances are you might be yearning for or missing here at West Irwin. Uh, That's going to start next Sunday morning at 9 o'clock in that closet right down that hallway. Uh, And finally, we shared something with you last week, so we'll try to continue to put it in front of your mind. Uh, We've got a couple things coming up this fall that are going to be uh, pretty big church-wide events. And while this one may not seem church-wide, it's something that we want to encourage, at the very least, the whole church to be in prayer for, and that is our Living with Loss workshop coming up uh, in mid-October. Uh, we had a. We tried to go into pretty good detail about that, and if that directly affects you, uh, hopefully you received uh, a mail out this week and are going to be receiving a phone call, uh, personally inviting you as well. We invited other churches, so we want to just encourage you to be in prayer about that event coming up in a couple of weeks. Uh, and again, as I shared last week, if you know somebody that uh, has dealt with the, the loss of a spouse, the, the loss with a lo- of a loved one that, that you feel like that could be beneficial for, Uh, Maybe you'd like one of the flyers. If you haven't received one, come find me, uh, and I can get you that information. Uh, But we just want to encourage you to uh, be praying about that, praying for that that demographic of people in this church that we want to not just be present with us, but to minister to as well. And so with that in mind, I want to invite our brother David Wicks up as he will share with us our shepherd's prayer.
I'd like to read two verses here. Psalms chapter 8, verses 3 through 5. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them, human beings that you care for them? You have made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Let's go to our Father in prayer. Lord, we come boldly before your throne, acknowledging that you are the creator of all things. You are worthy of all of our praise and adoration. We know from scripture that you care about all creation. You feed the birds who do not sow, reap, nor store away food. So it's humbling though that you care for us who sin against you, yet you declare us as your beloved children made in your image. Father, we acknowledge and confess that we are sinners. Please forgive us when our words and our deeds are against your will. Please forgive us when we put ourselves ahead of you and trust in our own efforts. May we never take your grace for granted. Father, we pray that we never forget all that you do for us. You provide us with countless blessings that we are not aware of or could ever have imagined. Father, we are thankful for the cooler weather and the recent rains. Father, we're thankful for each member here at West Irwin. We're thankful for our staff, our ministers, teachers, deacons, and elders. Father, we ask you to bless each one of us. May our daily actions be Christ-like, loving, encouraging, protecting, and defending your word. Father, you know our every need, whether it's physical, mental, emotional, or spiritual. At this time, we want to lift these names before you and ask you for your healing touch to be upon them and that they sense your abiding presence with the peace that passes all understanding. Our sister, Jerry Morris, she recovering from a car accident recent surgery. Our sister Janine Hughes, as she's recovering from pneumonia, and we pray that each day we'll find her getting stronger. My mom, Willa Wicks, that our chemotherapy treatment will be successful for her CLL. Our brother, Donnie Carthen, that his upcoming heart debilitation will be successful so that his heart will be in correct rhythm. Our brother, Galen Siegler, that his chemo treatments will be successful and his AFib be under control. Judy Ham's nephew, Wesley Bowles, as he's facing many challenges after his accident. Father, we pray for Dinah Crow, daughter-in-law, Dana Crow, her cancer has returned. We ask that the chemo treatment today will be successful. Jane Posey's son-in-law, Jeff Ingram. She and Rutherford's niece, Jean Paulina's upcoming surgery. Billy Ray Ground, who's now in the hospice care. Father, 
Please be with all the ones on our prayer and care list, along with the medical staff, how they care for each one of them. We also pray for their family caretakers. Bless them with the extra measure of strength, peace, and patience. We offer a prayer of thanksgiving for the favorable report for Jeff Ingram and that Charlie Ritchie's surgery went well. And Father, we have several members who have lost loved ones recently. We pray for peace and comfort to be upon them as they grieve their loss. Diane Weathers and the loss of her mom, Charlene, Benjamin Neely and the loss of her father, Roger, Marjorie Sherrod and the loss of her husband, Lynn, Glenda Ferguson and the loss of her sister, Margaret. And Father, we have witnessed much sadness in our world recently. We pray for the people who are suffering from the earthquake in Morocco. We pray for the people in Libya who are devastated by the flood and the people in Maui dealing with the aftermath of the fires. We pray for these people, the rescue teams, and medical workers. Father, when we are anxious and burdened with life's care, help us remember that this fallen world is not our home. And while we are here on earth, you promise us in Hebrews that you will never leave us nor forsake us. For you are our refuge and fortress, and we ask for your protection because evil threatens to enter our lives, our homes, and upon this land that we live in. Father, your word says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. We ask you, Father, to provide our teachers and parents and the knowledge of wisdom to guide and nurture the children. May we all study the Bible, have the ability to discern what is against your word, and remember that the plumb line for standard truth is your word, the Bible. Father, we ask you to protect those in the military, the law enforcement, our emergency responders, health care workers, the school teachers, and all who are willing to help others. Bless those in, the, in this world with wisdom who are in a position of authority so that they will restrain evil, provide civil order and justice. Father, we are thankful for Bill Allen. Continue to bless Bill with the wisdom and words to express your word of truth in a way that we can see the beauty of your kingdom. For your word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. May our worship today be in spirit and truth as we glorify you with hearts filled with love, compassion, and joy. We ask these things in the blessed name of Jesus Christ, our Redeemer. Amen. In Christ alone my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song. This cornerstone is solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of love, what depths of peace, when fears are stilled, when striving cease, my comforter. 
baptized in, in Christ alone, who took on flesh, fullness of God in helpless babe, this gift of love and righteousness, scorned by the ones he came to save. Till on that cross, as Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied for every sin on him was laid. Here in the breath of Christ, I From the grave he rose again, and as he stands in victory, since curse has lost its grip on me, for I am his, and he is mine. But with the precious blood of Christ, no guilt in life, no fear in death. This is the power of Christ in me. From life's first cry to final breath, Jesus commands my destiny. No power of hell, no scheme of man can ever pluck me from his hand till he returns or calls me home. Here in the tower of Christ, I'll stand. As we prepare for our minds for our Lord's Supper, let's sing How Deep the Father's Love. How deep the Father's love for us. How vast beyond all Chosen. 
I want to tell you a <clears throat> quick story. In Acts chapter 20, as Paul neared the end of his third missionary tour, he was working his way back toward Jerusalem. He wanted to bypass Ephesus. He had spent three years in Ephesus, and he knew that if he stopped there, he would just never get away. The people loved him so much. So he stopped at a small seaside town called Miletus. From Miletus, he sent word to have the elders at the church at Ephesus meet him at Miletus. He wanted to have some final words with them. They showed up. Paul poured out his heart to these elders. He told them how much he loved them, and he encouraged them to continue to love the Lord elder the church, be the best people they could be. One of the things that the Bible says, though, it said after he finished his thoughts, they all wept and embraced Paul. And they said they sorrowed most for the words that he left with them. And that got me to thinking the words of Paul. Can you imagine three years that he worked with them, the Apostle Paul, and all the lessons, all the questions he answered. How many times did he have to tell that story about his meeting the Lord on the road to Damascus? But he did that everywhere he went. And as I thought about Paul's words, I thought about the words that he obviously told the church at Ephesus, but he specifically told these words to the Corinthians. Everywhere he went, he mentioned these words that I'm going to say. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. These emblems that we are about to partake with are important in our worship. Let's pray. Father, just as Paul advised and told Christians everywhere he went the importance and stressed the importance of this Lord's Supper this morning here at West Irwin, as we partake of this bread, we want to have a discerning heart, remembering Jesus, his sinless life, his death on the cross, and the fact that he gave that for us and provided a means of redemption for our sin. We are so thankful. So now as we partake of the bread, we want to do so in a very pleasing manner to you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
We talked in Bible class this morning about a verse in the book of John that basically says, if all of the wonderful deeds that Jesus did, his signs, his wonders, his miracles, if they were all written down, John said, the world itself could not contain the volumes that he did. All of that wonderful work, all of the signs and wonders, he was still rejected and he was still killed on our behalf. So as we now partake of this fruit of the vine, again, let's examine ourselves. Just as Paul said, have a discerning heart and understand that this is important. Let's pray. Lord, We have a very finite mind understanding everything that you have done for us. But we know this. We appreciate the sacrifice that was made on our behalf. On this first day of the week, we gather as Christians to partake of this Lord's Supper. And this particular emblem, the fruit of the vine, we have been instructed to remember that This is a representation of the blood of Christ shed on the cross at Calvary for our sin. And Father, we stand before you and sit before you today with humble hearts, thanking you as best we can for that sacrifice. And as we partake it, we would ask that we remember him and everything that he's done for us. Bless us, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I will not boast in anything, no gifts, no power, no wisdom, but I will boast in Jesus Christ.
his death and resurrection. Why should I gain from his reward? I cannot give an answer, but this I know with all my heart, his wounds have paid my That concludes our memorial service, remembering Jesus in the bread and the fruit of the vine. We now have a wonderful opportunity. It's a blessing. It's part of our worship. The opportunity to return to the Lord's treasury, money that we have earned and that has come into our possession. We have a lot of works that go forward from this congregation. And we pray that the Lord will send us opportunities so we can do these kind of works. But it takes money. And so this is our opportunity, as it is every first day of the week, in order to contribute. So let's pray. Father, we again thank you for all the blessings of life. You shower us with so many opportunities, and we just thank you for that. We look forward for opportunities to do your will, to preach your gospel, reach the lost, and we know that that does take finances. So, Father, let us remember you own everything. You don't really need anything from us, but it's our desire and our opportunity, our love for you that we now return a portion of what we have. Thank you for this worship that we have in giving. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's sing I'm Happy today while our happy kids come up for kids' time. 
I'm happy today, oh yes, I'm happy today in Jesus Christ. I'm happy today because he's taken all my sins away, and that's why I'm happy today. I'm singing today, oh yes, I'm singing today in Jesus Christ. I'm singing today because he's taken all my sins away, and that's why I'm singing today. I'm praying today, oh yes, I'm praying today in Jesus Christ. I'm praying today because he's taken all my sins away, and that's why I'm praying today. You know, we've been talking about a book in the Bible that talks a lot about joy while we've been in Mr. Bill's sermons, while you're having a lot of fun learning about Jesus in Blast. And I want you to know that we sing a song that's taken right from that book of Philippians from chapter 4, because that book says, I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. You know that song, right? It says that we are to rejoice in the Lord always. And it also says this, I've got the peace that passes all understanding down in my heart. What does that mean? Well, that means that I have something inside of me that makes me happy and makes me have peace, which means I'm calm. I know that God's got this. Whatever is going on in my life, God is in control. And that's something that we have that nothing can take away from us. And that's what that song says, and that's what Philippians 4 says. So I want us to sing that song today. Are you ready? I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Where? Down in my heart. Down in my heart. I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Down in my heart to stay. And I'm so happy, so very happy. I've got the love of Jesus in my heart, down in my heart, and I'm so happy, so very happy. I've got the love of Jesus in my heart. I've got the peace that passes understanding down in my heart. Where? Down in my heart. Down in my heart. I've got the peace that passes understanding down in my heart. Where? Down in my heart to stay and I'm so happy so very happy I've got the love of Jesus in my heart down in my heart and I'm so happy so very happy I've got the love of Jesus in my heart maybe we should have sung that song and included the other song that talks about if you're happy and you know it clap your hands and stomp your feet I think we did a little bit of that too so what about the devil what about him? Does he like it that we're joyful, that we have peace? Well, not really. So what do we do? And if the devil doesn't like it, he can sit on attack. Ouch, sit on attack. Ouch, sit on attack. And if the devil doesn't like it, he can sit on attack. Ouch, sit on attack to stay. And I'm so happy, so very happy. I've got the love of Jesus in my heart, down in my heart, and I'm so happy, so very happy. I've got the love of Jesus in my heart. Okay, while we go to blast or back to your seats, remember that we are happy today because 
of who? Because of God, because of Jesus. Okay, you can go on to blaster to your pews. I'm happy today. Oh, yes, I'm... What's that? That's a microphone. Well, we're happy today. Didn't sing the song, so there you go. At this time, the blast doors are open for our kids, and we'll sing one upon last billows as we prepare for Bill's sermon. When upon life's billows you are tempest tossed, when you are discouraged, thinking all is lost, count your many blessings, name them one by one. And it will surprise you that the Lord hath done. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your blessings, name what God hath done. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your many blessings, see what God hath done. Are you ever burdened with a load of care? Does the crossing heavy you are called to bear? Count your many blessings, every doubt will fly. And you will be singing as the days go by. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your blessings, see what God hath done. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your many blessings, see what God hath done. So amid the conflict, whether great or small, do not be discouraged, for God is over all. Count your many blessings, Dan will attend. Help and comfort give you to your journey's end. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your blessings, see what God hath done. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your many blessings, see what God hath done. Thanks, Logan. Great job. Well, it just goes to show you that you don't have to sing I'm happy today to be happy today, apparently. So that's great. I love the kids. I love it when they're up here. I love the parents. Um, They're just doing such a tremendous, incredible job raising these wonderful, happy, fun kids. And we pray for you uh, constantly, of course. Today is the end of that sermon series from the book of Philippians that we mentioned with the kids a moment ago. We've been several weeks in the book of Philippians, and today we'll be in chapter 4 in the last part of that great book. And I've entitled this series, Living a Joyful Life. And that's J-O-Y dash F-U-L-L. I realize it's not the way you spell joyful, but because we are Christians, we should live lives that are full of joy, right? Some of us are not sure or... Right, yeah, of course, we are to live happy lives, joyful lives, as we're going to see, as we saw last week, 
It's actually commanded that we rejoice in the Lord always. I'm not sure that you can command people to be happy, but Paul certainly seems to think that you can because that's exactly what he does. We have been talking about living a joyful life. And we've been kind of looking at the, the answer to the question, how do, you, how do you do that? How do we do that today in this crazy, mixed-up world that's priorities have just gone crazy? Things are weird, and they seem to be getting weirder by the day. We, we just seem so anxious and fearful about everywhere that we are. And then we turn to the New Testament, and we hear Paul saying, Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. And we're thinking, well... I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to do that. And that's where all these words from the book of Philippians come and help us, including this last section. As Paul closes his letter to the Philippians, he thanks them for the joyful partnership in his ministry. And I think there are a couple of parts of that statement, joyful partnership in his ministry, that we struggle with. One is the joyful part, (laughs) being actually joyful at a time and a place where things are hard and things are difficult and we look to the future and we're not sure they're going to get any better and we kind of think that they may even get worse. So how can we be joyful? And then that second part, partnership in his ministry. Philippians talks a lot about the partnership in ministry that Paul shared with the church at Philippi in modern day Greece. And we're going to see that again in this last passage. And so as Paul closes out this wonderful letter of joy and a call to rejoice, he is grateful to them for their joyful partnership in his ministry. And so you think, oh great, Bill, this is going to be a sermon about giving, right? Well, not really. Not per se. It is about giving, but not really. It's about the principles that are behind our giving. The principles that the church at Philippi demonstrated. It's interesting that when Paul writes to the Corinthians, he tells them the kind of attitude that they need to have behind their gifts so that they will give as God would have them to. Cheerfully, generously, with great faith and trust in the Lord. He doesn't do that with the Philippians. Why is that? Because they were already doing that. They already believed those things. They already had that attitude. They were already giving to the Apostle Paul. In fact, in his second mission journey, he goes by Philippi and he starts the church there. And one of their wonderful members, Lydia, has them, the missionary team of Paul, Timothy, and Silas, into her home. And says, well, you'll stay with me while you're here. And then when he goes from there and he goes over to Thessalonica, the church at Philippi sends him financial help for his mission journey. So this had been a characteristic of this great church from the get-go, from the very start. They had been great givers. Why is that? Because they had all these attitudes that we're hearing about throughout this wonderful book. So the passage is not about giving. So what is it about, Bill? Well, first of all, this passage is about contentment. Contentment. That's a hard word for us today, and it shouldn't be. We have more than anybody ever has had. Generally speaking, as a general population, as 21st century Americans, we have so much more. And yet we still are not 
content. Philippians chapter 4, reading verses 10 through 13. I rejoiced greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all things through Him, Christ, who strengthens me. We know Philippians 4.13, right? We use it a lot, and rightly so. But this morning, we get the chance to be able to hear it and see it in its immediate context. When the words were first written down in inspired Scripture. I agree with Stan. I think a lot of the things that we read about in Scripture that, that Paul said to the Corinthians or that Paul says here to the Philippians, he said that to everyone. I think including that verse. And I think including this whole context. This passage is not about, uh, is not about giving. It's more about contentment. Paul could be content in the hard times as well as the good times. As when Paul gathered together with those elders from Ephesus at Miletus. And he talked to them and told them, I, I may not ever see you again. I, I, I'm, I'm going to Jerusalem. I, I'm not, I know it's going to be hard. I'm not sure what awaits me. And sure enough, in Jerusalem, he was arrested by the Jews, turned over to the Romans, and ended up in Rome waiting for his appeal to Caesar, the Supreme Court of the day, as to whether he should live or die. And it was in that setting that he writes the book of Philippians. And yet in the midst of all of that suffering, all of that anxiety, all of that not knowing what's ahead that he had alluded to in chapter 1, he says, I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm content. I've learned to be content whatever, wherever. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content. A lot of scriptures on the outline that have to do with that. One of the most interesting ones that is kind of a surprise to me every time I read it is from Proverbs 13, where the Proverbs 30 rather, where the wise man prays, Lord, don't let me have too much or too little. Don't let me have so much that I don't think I need you and I become self-reliant. But also don't let me have too little, so much so that I'm tempted to steal. We're reminded that there are temptations in all aspects. All of these verses give us a couple of principles regarding material things. Number one, trust God, not money. Trust God, not money. When we trust in our money rather than in our God, that's called idolatry. That's called breaking the first of the Ten Commandments, which is you shall have no other gods before me. And so we are called upon to be content. And to be content, we have to trust God. Not money, not job, not savings, not any of those things. And secondly, we are stewards, not owners. We are stewards, not owners. As Stan said, we have come in possession of some things uh, just like the Corinthians had. Just like the Ephesians had. Just like the Philippians had. But we recognize that we're stewards of those things. We don't own them. It's not that God owns the part that you gave today or this week and you own the rest. God owns it all. 
and we're trying to do God's work to God's glory with all of it, and specifically some of the areas of ministry within the church. We are stewards, not owners, so we count our many blessings, and we name them what? One by one. Write them out. Write them out. If you think things are really hard on you and God has forgotten all about you, then start making a list of your blessings. I have a feeling that you'll run out of paper. I love this quote from Rick Ashley. Most think happiness leads to gratefulness, but it's actually the other way around. Happiness doesn't lead to gratitude. Gratitude leads to happiness. And the same is true of contentment. Happiness is not based on the things that we have. We become contented in trusting in the Lord. And because of that, we are able to rejoice in the Lord always. Just like that great song that Logan led us in. We count our many blessings and we name them one by one. Verse 12, Paul says, I know the secret. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. And so we want to ask, what is it? What is it, Paul? What's the secret? And he tells us, In verse 13, I can do all things, what? Through Christ who strengthens me. You want to know the secret of being content? It's that. It's recognizing that whatever you have, whether it's a lot or a little, you can be content in Jesus Christ. And the first time that those words were written in Scripture, it was talking about material needs. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I think that's a great scripture to remember and apply to whatever difficult thing you're going through, whatever that might be. But remember, initially, it said, I can get through this financial time. Whether it's a lot or a little, I can do all things through him, Christ, who gives me strength. The question is, can you? We would all say that we believe Philippians 4.13, but can you? Can you do all things through Christ who strengthens me? One of the things about our giving is I think that it is a measurement of how much we actually really do trust in the Lord. Paul was thinking about his daily bread and he's talking about contentment. And so in Philippians 4, the question is, can I be content without blank? And you fill in the blank. What do I put there, Bill? What have you been praying about lately? What have you been praying for lately? Put that in there. Can you be content without that? As we talked about in our Bible class this morning, can you pray, thy will be done? Answer this prayer with a yes or no, up to you, God. Either way, I'm your child. Either way, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Can you be content without that? We'll sing in just a few moments. My hope is built on nothing less than what? My bank account. The fact that everybody likes me. The fact that I'm in good health. The fact that I have lots of friends. The fact that church is going great. Where's Rusty? Rusty, we had a... We had a a band director uh, when Joyce and I were seniors in high school in San Antonio. And every day he would say, how's band going, huh? And no matter what else was happening, we were supposed to answer, great! (laughs) 
Can I be content without that? Because my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Not on all these other things that I might pray for, that I might feel I need, that are important. But they're not the source of my joy. They're not the source of my contentment. In our staff meetings, we have devotional times that are led by our, our uh, full-time, min- our different ministers, and uh, full and part-time. And Tucker was leading this month, and he's leading it from Psalm 23. And that first verse, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And he says, he said Tuesday, because the Lord is my shepherd, I can be content. Is that true of you? Or do you need something more? This passage is about contentment. Secondly, this passage is about partnership. Verses 14 through 20 of Philippians 4. Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that more may be credited to your account. I have received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus, a member of the church at Philippi, the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches that are in Christ Jesus to our glory to our God and Father be glory forever and ever the Philippians had helped Paul and because of that he had called them his partners in ministry and the word there is fellowship it's that word koinonia it's the word we typically translate fellowship and he said we were partners we had fellowship in this ministry you were very much involved in all of the good that I did because you helped make it happen and the same is true today The Philippians lived out the teaching of 2 Corinthians 8 9, that long passage that talks a lot about some of the principles that Paul lays out here. They lived it. As God provided for Paul, so would he provide for the Philippians. That was his message to them, and so will he provide for us. This passage is about contentment, this passage is about partnership in ministry. Finally today, this passage is about fellowship. These words that close out this great book in Philippians 4, verses 21 through 23. Greet all God's people in Christ Jesus. The brothers and sisters who are with me, probably in Rome, send greetings. All God's people here send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. Remember, he's writing this likely from Rome, likely under house arrest, described in Acts chapter 28. And so he refers to the brothers and sisters. These are his fellow workers, such as Timothy. He also speaks of all God's people here. These are the holy ones, the saints is the term. It's an adjective used as a noun, holy ones in the plural. Christians, very much alive, very much there where he was. All of the people here. He says, send you greetings. It's that wider circle of believers. And so I urge you to read Eric's article in the bulletin today because it's taken from Hebrews 10 and it talks about this very thing. 
the fellowship that we have that is best seen when we're at church together. And that's why we need to be here. That's why they were there. Can you imagine how important it was for the Christians that were a part of the church at Rome to go to church, to meet together? It should be just that important for us. And then he mentioned Caesar's household. Likely is not some of the higher-ups in, in the Roman government, although it could be. But perhaps some of the soldiers or servants or slaves that were there that worked specifically with uh, the emperor and for the emperor. And some of these Christians that were a part of that church at Rome had made the two-day journey one way to meet Paul when he was on his way there. They walked for two days just to meet him in southern Italy after his ship had landed. And then they turned around and walked two days back with him. That's fellowship. Would you walk two days one way? To be with someone, one of your brothers and sisters in Christ, and then turn around and walk two days back with them. This passage is about fellowship. So as we close out this series, a few finishing thoughts. Philippians is an epistle of joy, and it gives us great insight into how to live a joyful life today. We've seen that throughout. And it's not about what you have It's about who has you. And so he says, rejoice always. I will say it again, rejoice. That's at Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. And again, it's an an imperative. He doesn't give us permission to not rejoice. We are to rejoice always. Just as we said last week, be joyful, be prayerful, thrive in God's peace. Earlier in chapter 4. And I love this quote. In Philippians, joy is a continuous, defiant, nevertheless. (laughs) It's a continuous, defiant, nevertheless. And I hope you'll remember this from this sermon today. What exactly does that mean? Well, it's a quote from uh, Karl Barth in his commentary on Philippians. In Philippians, joy is a defiant, nevertheless. You see, biblical joy doesn't deny the difficulties. It doesn't pretend that there's not bad things happening or that there's not more around the corner. It never pretends that. It acknowledges the reality of the suffering, but it doesn't stop there. It says, nevertheless, yes, Satan looks like he's in control. Nevertheless, I will have joy. Yes, there's all kinds of fears and anxiety in my life about where we're going and what we're headed and what the doctor's going to say and who's going to win the next election. Nevertheless, I will have joy. And that's that defiant nevertheless. It's defiance in the face of Satan himself that looks at him and says, you cannot take away my joy. You will not define my life. You will not be the deciding factor as to whether I have peace and joy in my life. That job is taken. Yes, there are things that are hard. Yes, there are things that are difficult. And they may get worse before they get better. Nevertheless, nevertheless, whatever that looks like, I will rejoice. How can we do that? That's the rest of that great verse in Philippians 4 verse 4. Rejoice what? In the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. 
My friends, that's the only way you can rejoice always. And that is in the Lord. Because the circumstances are going to change. Sometimes it's going to be good, sometimes not so good. Always, if you are in the Lord, you can rejoice. What does that mean? It means you come to believe in Jesus Christ. That he came from heaven, that he died on the cross, that he was raised from the grave, and that that tomb is empty, and that he's coming again. You believe. It means you repent, which means change. You look at the sinfulness of your life, and you look to God, and you ask him to forgive. Just like Paul prayed and fasted for three days after seeing the Lord and when he went into Damascus. You repent. You make that confession. You say, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I believe that Jesus came and lived and died for me and that he's coming again. I believe. That's that confession. And then fourthly, you are baptized into Jesus Christ. You die to sin. You're buried with Christ through baptism into Jesus Christ. And you're raised to live a new life in Jesus Christ. And that new life is rejoicing. It's a life of joy. Rejoicing in the Lord always, I will say it again, rejoice. Why? Because we can do everything through Christ who gives us strength. My hope is built on nothing less, nothing less than Jesus' blood and His righteousness. If that's not you today and we can help you get there, come as we stand, sing this great old hymn. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. When darkness fails his lovely face, I rest on his unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand, all other ground is sinking sand. Just remain standing for this last song, um, and then we'll have our closing prayer. Who has held the oceans in his hands? Who has numbered every grain of sand? Kings and nations tremble at his voice. All creation rises to rejoice. Who has given counsel to the Lord? Who can question any of his words? Who can teach the one who knows all things? Who can fathom all his wondrous deeds? Behold our God seated on his throne. Come let us adore. 
nothing can compare. Come, let us adore him who has felt the nails upon his hand, bearing all the guilt of sinful man. God eternal, humble to the grave, Jesus to reign. Behold our God seated on his throne. Come let us adore him. Behold our King. Nothing can compare. Come let us adore him. Good morning, Heavenly Father. Hallowed be thy name. We thank you so much for allowing us to realize that you are our creator and you've created everything that we know and things that we don't know. We thank you, Father, for your sweet son, Jesus, who came to this earth and lived a perfect life so that he could be the perfect sacrifice for our sins. He had to die because we're sinners and we're so grateful for that. And the privilege we have of coming to him, coming to you through him. We ask your blessings on his special, special family members here that are suffering with cancer and, and other things. We pray if it's your will that you would heal them. We thank you so much for blessing us throughout our whole life. We ask you to continue to bless our nation as a Christian nation. And we pray that those that or an authority would do your will, as well as other nations, those in authority would do your will. We thank you, Lord, for giving us good health, and we pray continually for our friends and family members that need to obey the gospel. If it's your will, we pray that that would happen today. We pray these things in your son Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> 